Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Vitamin SC3 podcast. You are listening to the Self-Care is Healthcare segment with Dr. Marjorie Brewer. The Sickle Cell Community Consortium powers the Vitamin SC3 podcast. Each show will give you more insights into the real lives of sickle cell warriors and their families. You will learn why we are bonded by blood with shared life experiences. Remember, the information shared on the Vitamin SC3 podcast is for informational or educational purposes only and does not substitute professional medical advice or consultations with healthcare professionals. To become a member of the Sickle Cell Community Consortium, visit sicklecellconsortium.org. The Sickle Cell Consortium is a collaborative designed a little bit like the United Nations in theory so that we can bring together many organizations for sickle cell throughout the country and now throughout the world, as well as um, independent patient caregiver leaders, opinion leaders, advocates, those that are active in this space. And our goal is, what we've always done, is bring our community together so that we can create projects, priorities, initiatives. We can figure out what are the problems, needs, and gaps in the sickle cell community, and then figure out how we're going to collectively address this. And we are live. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome, welcome to the Vitamin SC3 podcast, the mental health and wellness initiative part of it. I am so happy to be here with my guest, um, you know, thinking, sticking with our, th- our theme of being well and charging forwards and making a journey and knowing that self-care is health care. That's the theme that we're supporting. Today, I have the pleasure to almost do a linkage, guys, of one of the sessions we did before. We, thought, we talked about the importance of having a therapist and maybe some of the challenges in finding one. But I wanted to talk to a fellow warrior about their specific journey, how it's affected their lives, and kind of where they see their mental health journey fitting in with all their other journeys. Because we always say that mental health and physical health are actually all the same. They shouldn't be mutually exclusive. So today I have the pleasure of talking to Philippe Ocoin, that is a friend from way back when. He's a fellow warrior. Um, We're going to call him Phil from here on, now that I've said his full name and I've given him that respect. And I'm going to let Phil tell us a little bit about himself. Phil, please introduce yourself to our community. Of course, Dr. Marjorie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be participating in this discussion because, you know, this is something I'm very, very um, passionate about. Um, But a little bit about me. Um, I'm Phil. Uh, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I am, wow, uh, 41 years old. Two young young. trade warriors. Yes, yes. Um, um, But if you ever tell my daughter, if you ever ask my daughter, I'm 37 forever. You got it. That's a long story. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so I, I live in the Atlanta area. I do patient advocacy. Um, and, you know, I'm always, whenever I get an opportunity, I'm, I'm talking, I'm educating, and I'm spreading awareness for sickle cell. Um, and mental health in particular is is very, very big because my mental health journey started very much kind of by accident, right? I was in grad school at the time, um, was going through a lot of changes, recently married, newly expecting a child, 
struggling in business school in my first term in business school, academic probation, worried about losing my fellowship, had just moved to back to LA from across country. And it was just so many things going on at one time. And unbeknownst to me, um, was struggling with um, attention deficit, which had not yet been diagnosed. So um, as a student, I had come across uh, on-campus counseling and psychological services. It was free to students. Never never knew anybody who had done counseling, had never been referred to do counseling. And I was like, well, it's free. I got nothing to lose. Let me see what this is about. And um, that's kind of how my, my journey began. But... Um, but yeah, I hope I didn't leave anything out in my introduction. That's a kind of a, a kickoff to the journey itself and a little bit about me. Oh, I have sickle beta zero thalassemia, in case that matters for, for those other warriors who are who are curious about that. And um, Bill, tell them about your industry affiliation, because some people will recognize your name and your face maybe and be like, though they can't see your face. They're like, I know that name from somewhere because Phil and I go back before all this started. He, we met before he oh started grad school. We won't say how long or what we did when, yeah, yeah, that's a whole other chapter, but please share with Thank them you. where they might recognize you from, from some of the work that you've done. Yeah. Well, my advocacy journey has taken me, um, most recently with Agios Pharma. Um, I did the life interrupted yeah. with Novartis. Um, I was able to work on the new England journal of medicines, um, sickle cell and gene therapy yes. that was recently released with Dr. Michael Devon and Cassandra Trinnell. Um, Guys, so many amazing no joke. he was being humble, but I wanted to, you know, blast him just a little <laughs> bit more. So, you know, thank you for sharing uh, a little bit more of the color because you guys will of meet him, have known him and will continue to hear from him because Phil and I will be partnering on so many wonderful mental health um, and wellness initiatives. But let me dial it back. When you said that, I loved how you said, you know, on campus, the mental health and the services kind of were free. So you're like, okay, let me try it out. But what inside of you, because you had before trying it out, it had to catch your eye. So how did yes. you realize or what, what is it that you were feeling that you were like, mm, something is off? Because you did say this was you hard diagnosed with something. And I'll, I'll let I'll, you know, I'll go back to that. I don't want to you know, get myself off track and I'll bring that back up, but you were not officially diagnosed yet. So what within you gave you that inkling that I should look at those services? Yeah. Uh, So for me, I was just, I was struggling academically and that for me, I was struggling. I was stressed. I had a lot of anxiety. I had, I was going to business school on a fellowship through, uh, through consortium. And my first term ended up on academic probation and was very, very terrified that my now six figure MBA, I was going to have to figure out a way to pay for it. And um, and because you and I are of the same mindset for our audience, when you say struggle, because I I know what you mean when you say struggle, because you and I have both continued our degrees and we push in a certain way but i think everybody thinks of struggles very differently so you did say struggles you did say stress and you did say um you did say academic probation so thank you for being specific but can you tease out the struggle part so that if other people are feeling that they shouldn't just push through because i think in our community our minds and our bodies just assume i'm going to get through this and i have to just push through this instead of stepping back and saying maybe not and I should do something different. So share with us what that struggle meant, what means to you. Yeah. So in, in that particular moment in time, yes. the struggle yes. for me was I was going through so many different adjustments at once. Um, I mentioned some of the changes, uh, learning to be a husband, preparing to be a father, 
um, relearning to be a student because it had been 11 years, I think, since undergrad and when I had began my, my business school um, journey. So I was having, I, I, it was, I guess you could call it performance anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a rough first go um, I'm, I'm in business school. And, you know, I had a lot of second years who were kind of advisors to me who were like, you know, that's, don't worry. That's why they call it B school and not A school, right? right. It's like the grades don't matter and things like that. However, if you were there on this particular, you know, this fellowship through this program, the grades did matter, right? right? And so um, you needed to maintain a certain GPA. And if you did not, you were at risk of losing this fellowship, which was a very substantial amount of money, not something I could um, just scrounge up on my own. And so I was faced with the prospect of, right, like I have this new budding family. I have this new mouth that's on the way to feed. I'm here so that I can, you know, increase my earning potential, expand my career and do all those things. Uh, but now uh, the whole prospect of advancing my career in that way, finishing business school with at least a manageable amount of debt, um, all of those things were, um, again, they were just unknowns mm-hmm. now. And so there was, it was just a lot of, it became a very kind of stressful situation and you know it was it was just creating um kind of um i was just ill at ease yeah and as it turned out the where the 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 the, the, on ucla's campus where the counseling and psychological services offices is very close to their um to the to the basically the where the medical offices are and so i was very you know very good about maintaining because of my sickle cell uh you know going and and keeping a regular um engagement with my doctors or nurse practitioner um, just to manage that, check my numbers and everything. And so I probably had passed it. I don't even know how many times I had passed it before I actually even recognized yeah. the building was there right. and that, you know, um, and, and as far as what prompted me to actually go in there, yeah. um, I think it was, like I say, I probably just a, a day where I was either struggling or behind on an assignment and was just kind of feeling a bit overwhelmed, right? And so that feeling of overwhelm, that feeling of anxiety, that feeling of just being tense, that feeling of, I just don't know how this is going to work out. I don't necessarily see a clear solution through my my current struggle is, you know, let me at least go see if I can get some counseling. Oh my gosh, the struggle is real. Yeah. And I, I'm gonna just gonna share when I, when my light bulb went off, I will never forget this. I felt like, you know, I was doing all the things I should be doing, finishing residency. I had just had a major crisis, but all of a sudden I couldn't articulate. It felt like I couldn't articulate what was going on to other people, right? And when it hit its pinnacle, I literally, I will never forget, I walked into what was the study with quotations because it was a multi-purpose room, but it had the desk in it, locked my door and sat under my desk were people knocking on the door and I just didn't say anything. I said, so after that, I was like, okay, you know what? You need to get your bus out to somebody for some help. But it, it became almost overwhelming and nothing else. It felt like, okay, I checked all the boxes, but why is it that I can't move forward to the next step? So thank you for painting a better picture because it comes up differently for, for everyone. And I want our audience to really understand that Every signal that you're you're feeling inertly, like your body knows and it will tell you if we're, you know, and we're trained to almost be resistant because we should be resilient. But resilience does not mean 
avoid or not recognize the need for some assistance or help. And I think that's a huge step. And I wanted everyone to hear that it can come up in different ways. Okay. So the aha moment happened. The light bulb went off. You finally walked in. And then how was that? How was walking in and all the steps that happened after that? Listen, I remember my very first moment in there because they, they feel you, you fill out an intake form just like you do right. your medical doctor, right? So they're doing like a little survey and they're like, have you ever dealt with this, 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 <laughs> And because I had never seen this particular type of intake form, I was going through the list and going through the list and, you know, and I'm used to in my medical doctor's office, um, you know, I have my certain things, I have my sickle cell, my anemia, I take this med, I take this med, cool. Uh, but I was surprised when I got to the end of this intake form because there were a number of things that I had checked off. There were things that, like, I never, I've always been a profuse nail biter. Like, according to my parents, ever since I had to, never thought much of it. You've always um, been what? Because you're faded a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. A nail biter. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Oh, you're one of those. Okay. Mm. One of those. <laughs> and so this was one of the things that was on there. And it was love things that, in my mind, um, I never thought of much about. I never, you know, Never had the mental health lens yes. to look at someone, right? And so when I got to the end of my intake form, and I was kind of surprised that my intake form for this, you know, counseling, psychological services, and the things that I had filled out relative to my medical was, it was like, wow, it was actually kind of almost like more issues mm-hmm. there, right? Some of it was like, had you dealt with a major change right. in the last 12 months, moved, of course, I had moved cross country, um, recently been married. Um, having a baby on the way, change of jobs, all these things are potentially cumulatively can be considered very, very significant stressors. So, um, so between all of those, all of those things, all those potential stressors, it was like, okay, these were all things that I guess from a mental health perspective were noteworthy. And so, um, so that was that began the journey, and so that very first session, I was actually actually didn't deal directly. I was dealing with a student, well, somebody who I guess she technically had the degree, but was still apprenticing and was getting a certain number of hours, and um, you know, which you know, I didn't know if that was good or bad or not or whatever, but you know, it turned out to be fine. But um, that began the whole conversation about all of these kinds of issues and kind of tying it down to what was happening in my life and to see, okay. How can I come up with a, almost like a coherent way to um, to address all of these different dynamics that were shifting in so many different directions all at the same time um, in such a way that I could feel a little bit more balanced mm-hmm. and see a path forward and do what I needed to do to not only get my GPA back to where it needed to be, but to to meet all these new demands that were happening at this new stage. Right. Right. And it's interesting because I love how you said GPA and get your your life back in order and not start with keep my money for the fellowship. Okay, because let's keep it real, everybody. Nobody wants to lose a six figure fellowship or lose anything financial or feel that bottom out. But then at the end of the day, if you're not balanced within, nothing else matters. So what's most important is that you achieved, you know, you went after that balance again. So with that in mind, if you if we count the therapist, as you said, she was probably still putting an you know, apprenticing and putting some hours in. If we count her as therapist number one, because they're different type of therapists, yes. and we discussed that in our last episode, how many individuals or how many therapists would you say you've partnered with until you feel like 
felt like you landed on the right person? That's a great question. So the, the, the challenge with answering that question as straightforwardly as possible is that in the past, from since that period to now, I've lived in three different cities. Right. So in many senses, I have had those uh, mental health providers change, not necessarily because they weren't good or working out for right. me, but just because I changed location. Agree. And that's important so, to get to get that. Sometimes when you move, the best relationship is when you have a therapist that you can actually go to and see and physically, though there are virtual options, for some of us, what works best is when we have someone we can go to. So travel, just like with your, you know, your hematology team, when you move, they don't move with you, even though they might be great and you want to take them with you. God, sometimes I want to take them with me. Um, you got to leave them where they're at, right? And then you have to find someone else. So thank you for sharing first that because you moved, that also influenced how many times you changed. Right. Right. And so I would say, you know, if you and is this is this just therapist for me or would this include marital uh, marital family Let's counseling just say as well? For this episode, because we're going to do a whole for other this, episode on that. Okay. Stuff. So for All this right. episode, let's just say for you. OK, so just for me, I had um, the, the apprentice and then there was somebody who would kind of oversee her for the attention deficit diagnosis. So there were two in LA. And then in Houston, there were two in Houston. And then once I got to Atlanta, I, I lucked out on my very first one, uh, Michelle, uh, who you had a chance to speak with. And you guys, she's, awesome. Uh, yeah, she's so awesome. She's number five. Okay. She's amazing. I just had a session with her, of course, last uh, uh, this week, this past week, this Thursday. So, um, Yes. And so, yeah, so she's number five. Okay. And, but she's the first one I've been to in Atlanta. Fantastic. And because I can see the smile on your face, you guys, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, we're audio, but when Phil said Michelle, his whole face lit up. So I knew it was really working. Plus I've met Michelle. So I told Michelle, I'm going to call her too. Can you please <laughs> share with our community what that working feels like? Like what, how is it that you knew that this was the right fit? What qualities, characteristics, pieces, whatever. What was the right recipe? Because I'm, I'm a cook for you, for this yeah. that particular therapist. Yeah. You know what's interesting? So uh, one of the first things out of all of the five that I had seen, yeah. she was the first who looked like me. She was the first Black uh, therapist that I had worked with. And... Um, Actually, I think technically I have to count a sixth one because there was one that was with my psych doc. Okay. Um, and so sometimes there are um, there are therapists that um, you know they're they're part of a practice where you go yes. for for your meds and things like that. Um, and so the thing with Michelle, she's the first and only um, at least individual therapist that for which you know that representation is important because there are a whole bunch of life experiences. There's so many intangibles and, yeah. and, and, you know, that, um, in terms of your lived experience, that somebody who, um, understands that lived experience, whatever it may be, sometimes it may be, for instance, as a man who's gone through divorce and custody, that may be one experience or whatever it is that you're dealing with that having the biggest issue with that is, um, that was probably the biggest thing. I think there were a lot of things she just kind of understood. Now I will say that when I first started seeing her, which was in the middle of COVID, 
started seeing her first in June 2020. I was initially very apprehensive because her MO was in person, even though a lot of different were moving to virtual. And she she told me initially that, you know, at least for that first session, she likes to see, which made sense. You know, you want to, what you're dealing with, you kind of want to understand that person from their baseline. Fine. And then before I knew it, I just kept going in in person. And now for me at the time, there was a lot of apprehension about that, obviously, because of COVID. Right. Um, about a year removed, though, I it was clear to me that just that having to go in person, mm-hmm. as you alluded to a few minutes ago, was everything. It was everything that I needed. It was the one thing, it was the one aspect of my week because so much of the world was upside down, um, wasn't working at this point because of COVID, you know, not seeing the children regularly, all these other stuff. And that was the one aspect, the one anchor of my week that I could go and I at least just feel heard. And um, I didn't appreciate in the moment, again, starting out, how vital that would be as far as my journey mm-hmm. and as far that that sense of healing yeah. um, and how important routine and structure can be for one's mental health. Um, but, but that was, that was everything. And so, and so, yeah, so now, you know, um, at that point I was seeing her every week. Um, now we're on a, every other week basis and um, yeah, it, it, that, um, over time as well, it, it has just been, it has just really just solidified. Gotcha. And he's very much like, a, you know, a confidant, an advisor, like, you know, I talked to her about a lot of stuff, career, okay. date, all of the things, the children, you name it. So she, she, she probably knows more about me than sometimes me, than anybody. Than anybody should, <laughs> right? Than, than you yourself. I know, I know. <laughs> Um, exactly. So you mentioned identifying with her because she was a person of color. You mentioned mm-hmm. the physical nature of going in really was important and that you knew that it was right because you were going in and having that kind of accountability and going in was important that you've kind of grown together over time that also has solidified this relationship. Was there anything specific about her techniques or what she did or used that you thought spoke to you? more so than maybe what someone else may have done or you've experienced? You know, it's so funny. I'm so glad you asked that too, because this was something that I, she was the first person to like whiteboard Mm -hmm. my session. So I'd go in and I'd sit with her and we'd talk. And in most places you you talk and it just kind of floats out and where it goes, who knows? Um, she'd seize on something you'd say and, and just, you know, want to circle back to what she put on the whiteboard. And for me, because I'm a visual learner or what that visual reinforcement, um, was, was everything. And again, I didn't know it in the moment, in those early days of, of, of sitting with her and things like that. Um, I, I, I don't know how many people do it again, out of the four other folks I had, I had dealt with. Um, and even in the marital side, none of, none of them ever kind of whiteboarded you know, what it was. And so that kind of whole brainstorming thing, it felt in a weird way, almost less, um, I don't know. It just felt like less of a vent or mope session and right. more like we're literally brainstorming. Yes, more like tangible. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is, again, I don't know how many, I don't know very of very many people who've shared their experience where that is something that happens, but that has been something that to this day, and at the end of, of the session, I usually will, will take a picture of it, of the whiteboard yes. and everything we've 
sketched up. She will take a picture of it as well for her files, and then she'll she'll reference it and she'll bring up stuff that we brought back. And that that even that little bit is is for someone like me yep. anyway, with mine, such a such a game changer. I love such that. a game changer. I love yeah. that. And 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 I love how you just said, of course, for someone like you. And this is very much a personal experience. And as we discussed in the last episode, sometimes it's gonna take a couple of people until it fits just right. But when the person uses a technique or does it in a way that does, you'll know and be able to respond to it better. And it becomes this more planning or action planning to get you right or get you better, as opposed to, as you said, just a venting session, because that's not what good therapy is. You get stuff out, but it's so not just a venting session. It's so much more than that. So with that in mind, since it's not just a venting session, you're getting stuff done. When you think about mental health and you think about your health maintenance, which you do for your health as it relates to your disease and what traditionally we say as it relates to our sickle cell and this keeping well, how would you say, what's the importance would you say of how that fits in? Should they be done together? Is one as important as the other? Give us a little perspective of what your thoughts are when you think about both of those journeys, because they shouldn't be separate, right? They should be one, you and I have had that conversation, but many people are only on that physical part of that journey, you know, the head to toe right. check, but not the other side. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it, what's interesting about that is, um, you know, when I was at the, I don't know if I should mention where I was being seen or not or, or whatever, but when I was being seen in Houston, it was a, at a comprehensive center and there was um, a psych doc there. Mm-hmm who was kind of seeing, and it was on a different day from when I'd see the hematologist and things like that. Um, and But that wasn't therapy per right. se, right? That was kind of like, do you need meds for this condition? And if so, we'll prescribe. And I would kind of try to talk about what I was dealing with. Um, those would only kind of were only so useful and ultimately was referred to someone else. And so to, to, to bring it back to... Um, to to your question as far as um, what is it that what is it that um, makes for a for that I guess for that relationship mm-hmm. um, to, to be whether or not the medical mental and the medical should be kind of joined together I do I'm a firm believer that it should be um, if not integrated, they should at least collaborate. Mm-hmm. Um, um, n- not just because there's a lot of interesting data out. I think um, right? some PubMed articles we referenced in the past mm-hmm. that talk about when, that, hey, when people with sickle cell or, and I presume with a lot of other chronic health issues are dealing with um, um, uh, a mental health issue, say depression or anxiety, that it directly impacts the their physical the the morbidity right yes. the com- complications that they deal with in their physical condition right and so the fact that those aren't necessarily integrated is is at least at this point in time is curious to me um and i think it's a big opportunity potentially uh, not just um for those of us in, in with sickle cell but i think for 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 healthcare at large i also think it, it also occurred to me as well right you know we just been through covid yeah. um my son you know, goes for an annual wellness check before he goes to school. He's, he's his doctor and, you know, they make sure he's got certain vaccines. They kind of check in on him. Great. Okay. You know, 
the doctor feels ready or that he's going to go and start his new year in school. But it occurred to me that with given everything that's happened in the past few years with COVID and the disruption right. and things like that, that why were we not right. simultaneously looking at students yeah. um, and their mental health condition, right? right? And being a fitness from that perspective, yeah. especially when you see that so many, some, so many, so many cases, you know, a mental health situation can result in a very, you know, significant event. You yes. see these active shooting things, etc. We don't want to get to the worst of it, but like, you know, these things all um, have a direct impact, and they're just as vital. They're just as vital to know. And when you've been through something that um, significant, that life-altering whether it's a pandemic or again, whether it's something just in your personal life or right. if it's a move or um, a change in your family um, structure, whatever the case may be. Um, it, it, I think it would be just as important and yeah. just as helpful to, um, to have that check and to just make sure that things are good and that the student is coping well, but then also more importantly, if you're dealing with a, um, with a, a larger health issue that that's being treated um, appropriately. Absolutely. So, um, everyone yeah. could benefit from a mental fit check. Everyone can. Um, exactly. and they should go in tandem, especially when you think of these young kids and everything that they've been together. Yeah. You go, like you said, for your annual shots and all that, but no one sits down with the child. They'll even check you and ask for questions that relate to abuse, but they will not mm -hmm. reference things that ask about their just mental fitness. It's like, are you okay? And it doesn't take very much more, right? But it's so important. It's so important. I, I so agree with you on that. And you and I have actually also talked, and I'm going to reference this a little bit, though it won't be the goal for today because our time is, your time is precious. And I think this can take a show up all on its own, is that sometimes the individual that you're plugged into in a comprehensive center, right, in, in, a, in a medical facility is not the ideal person. And a lot of times, a lot of times, and we will talk about this on some other shows when it comes to mental challenges, what we as warriors experience in the mental field also does not always need a pill or medication. It needs another route of approach and therapy. And being able to do that better, just saying you have someone on staff that does psychosocial or psychiatric stuff is not quite enough. Is that person the right qualified person? And Phil and I are on this bandwagon. So we will be delving into that at the end of this year and next year and hoping to really shift what that standard and what that bar should be so that these centers actually have the right person to deliver the right therapy and care when it comes to mental fitness. We're going we're gonna to call it mentally fit um, as we move forward. So, yeah, let me just throw this one part out to Dr. Sure. Marjorie, because there's also there's also the realization that occurred to me. Right. When I first went and sat down in my in that CAPS counseling and psychological services session on campus, mm -hmm. it's like imagine if this was had this been my medical situation. Imagine I, I think I was in my early yeah. 30s when I was in school at the time. Imagine 30 plus years of deferred medical mm. attention. Right. Mm. That's what I was essentially looking yep. at on this intake form, right? Yep. 30 plus years of deferred mental, you know, 
attention, maintenance, whatever the case. Not that necessarily all of them required some major intervention, but it's like, can you imagine what any of us would look like, especially if you are dealing with something chronic right. um, in your mental health yes. or in your physical health, what the potential ramifications of that are. And that is such an opportunity that it, it really does merit a substantial conversation with regards to uh, better integrating mental uh, and medical uh, treatment. So I love that analogy. And because I could be, I can go into it with you. I'm going to leave it on that point because you're so right. So yes, yes, and yes. Um, <laughs> we will continue to discuss, but you are, I love how you phrase that. Imagine if you weren't getting the right care as it relates to your sickle cell disease, kind of physical things, what I like to call the macro things, you know, the lab work, the blood work, when you go in to see the physicians, what if for 30 plus years, you weren't getting the right macro treatment, physical treatment. And now take that and draw the line to the mental fitness. They are actually one and the same. Mm -hmm. The right health, the best health incorporates both of those sides. So as a community, as a team, and as some of the leaders, meaning myself and, and um, Phil, that are championing mental health and wellness, we're going to try to close that gap as we move forwards and make it better for all individuals in our community. So my last question for you before our quick fire is, what do you say to all the stigma associated with mental health and wellness and when it comes to individuals of color seeking help? And specifically, I would say individuals of color with rare diseases, because we we are like, you know, can we go more, you know, reduce the percentage of individuals that we are who would probably go and seek that? How do, how do you what do you say to challenge those type of statements? You know, what's interesting is um, I consider myself so just uh, I'll, I'll headline spoiler alert. Right. I consider myself kind of a radical destigmatizer. Of not just mental oh, health. Oh, he is, everybody. Itself. If you don't know Phil, you know he is so radical. <laughs> He's so radical. Yes. That's I why we get along so well. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> um, and so I think that with regards to the stigma, you know, a lot of a lot of stigma often is burned out of the unknown, right? Is burn out what? Out of the unknown. Yes. And I know for me, the attitude I had with regards to, oh, counseling and psychological services. Well, I, I do have this thing and I could probably use some help with that, but I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know what counseling entails. I never know. I've never known anyone personally who's done counseling. It doesn't feel like I have the luxury to just sit on a couch and mope about whatever, right? It feels like something right. that is just like some weird luxury. And, and it also feels like something that is something probably that's only in the purview of, of rich people, which I'm not, you know, was not at the time. And, right. and you know, I, yeah. so it's just like, it just didn't feel like it was something that um, was either accessible or was for me. But the beauty of having been a student was that it was for your students. I had nothing to lose. Right. Right. And so exploring it was I very quickly found that not only was it worth every dime I never spent on it. Right. right? But even once I graduated. Investment, was, let me just say probably the best investment that you made without having to put a dollar on the table. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was worth it was worth the time. It was worth whatever they should have charged me had I been out in the, you know, the, the, the normal market. Uh, but yeah, but it was a no brainer for me that I was going to continue this even when it was now something that I was going to have to pay for. It was that valuable for me. So with regards to stigma, 
And the same as with sickle cell. A lot of it just comes out of people who don't really properly know what the thing entails. And so to, to, to stomp out those stigmas, right? Uh, shout out to, uh, to, to Tanya Prince and Sickle Cell Association of Houston for that phrase. Because um, stomping out those stigmas is as much about... Love Tanya, about by the awareness. way. Love Tanya. And, and Phil and I, actually, our second meeting was at Tanya's meeting in Houston, Texas, where yep. we, you would think we were having our own conference, but because everybody was like, <laughs> what are you two talking about? I'm like, why, why don't you worry about your stuff? We'll worry about ours. But as you say, stomping out. Stomping out those stigmas is as much about just creating awareness and giving, you know, seizing those educational opportunities, giving people an opportunity to investigate it a little more, see more what it's about, um, see what assumptions you have that are wrong. Um, and more importantly, just giving yourself the opportunity. Now, I do think that... Um, um, and I've spoken to a friend of mine who works for a local uh, university and he's helping to to develop professionally, you know, more mental health professionals that look like us. Um, that sometimes right. not all of our mental health resources are going to necessarily look the same. Right. I'm also a firm believer that for me as a black man, the barbershop is potentially a, a great yes potential source of like you know obviously your barber is not necessarily trained in that way but for us the barbershop kind of serves a similar purpose it serves an opportunity to talk about some of the challenges the life challenges we're having to share potential solutions to feel heard and seen and things like that and so with regards to um you know seeking out mental health um, um resources and things like that does it always have to look the same exact way, right? Is it all right if you use a whiteboard versus not using a whiteboard? Find the one that that's, that feels like a good fit. And don't be, you know, don't be apprehensive. For me, what I recognize in retrospect and what I've advised for other friends of mine when I talk about it and even when I've when I've uh, re- referred people to my own, to Michelle, who we uh, um, talked about, is don't hesitate to... Um, basically interview multiple people simultaneously, kind of in parallel, because that fit is a very unique one. It's a very personal one. And so a lot of times people may show up and with one mental health uh, you know, professional, feel like it didn't really quite fit and write off the whole thing. And that's not necessarily, you haven't necessarily done yourself um, justice if you come to that conclusion just from maybe your first interaction um, with, with, you know, with a mental health professional. Um, and so recognize that it is something that is going to be personal. And as such, you can't just go and see anyone, right? You have to kind of get a feel for who is going to fit you well. And so don't, don't be apprehensive about essentially interviewing maybe three or four people, um, and seeing, you know, which one you kind of feel the most comfortable with. Completely agree. And I also tell people, whatever happens behind closed doors, for instance, if the person that works for you uses puppets, guess what? Nobody has to know that. If hand puppets work for you, that's your time. Mm -hmm. And all you have to do is say that it works. Do not be able, allow yourself to be completely vulnerable, transparent, but also demanding. Meaning I need to, I need for you to do what works for me. So let's figure out what that is because you're worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And with that, because again, Phil and I could keep going. I'm going to ask him five quick fire questions and then any last words of wisdom or quote that he will he would want to leave with the community. So your first quick fire, what's your favorite food? Mm. Let's say mm-hmm. ice cream. Ice cream is my favorite food. You want a specific what flavor? Kind of, what kind of ice cream? Specific flavor. Oh. Don't um, say pecan. Right Don't now, say strawberry hagen Oh, wow. Okay, strawberry hagen What fit? What's your favorite city? 
Oh, so hard. Uh, I know because you are well traveled, my friend. What is your favorite? I have so many places that I call home right now. I'm missing LA the most. You know, I'll say LA for now, but my kids are here in Atlanta. So, yeah. LA. And because you're a dad, favorite kids' activity? Bill and I have talked about activities with kids because I have nephews and nieces. So, favorite kids' activity, Bill? I took my kids to the train museum last weekend, and that is always a blast. My son loves trains. I feel like he was a conduct. He's planning on being a conductor for Halloween. Um, I call him Conductor Oakwells. That for me is like a is always a smash smash hit for my. Kids. I love that. Yeah. I love that. All right, favorite game. Hmm, spades. Oh, I used to do spade tournaments at my place when I was a med student. Yo, we used to throw down for hours. I'm a spades girl. <laughs> Love it. Don't tell anybody that I said that. But anyway, your last question is, oh, when it comes to a fashion item, what's mm. your favorite fashion item? Mm. I love a good tie. Okay. I love a so good tie, I. especially if it's well tied and, you know, just place as well with the rest I, of the I don't outfit. I spend some money on this tie for my husband or yes. my dad. I'm with that. Yes. I'm with that. Yeah. Palma Le Garçon, which is a brand, makes really, really good ties. Look into them. They're You're gonna, good you know that was French, so you know I, you, y'all have all these vowels. Don't worry. Pronounce. You gonna message me? I'll text it okay, to you. Okay. Don't worry. I, I got you. I got <laughs> okay. you. Right. Okay, last thing. If you could leave our crew, our community, with uh, a quote or a lesson for life, what would it be? Ooh. Uh, with regards to mental health and what we're talking about, Zora Neale Hurston has a great a quote attributed to her about if you keep quiet about your pain, if you remain silent about your pain, they will kill you and say that you enjoyed it. And that's something that I think our community needs to remember, not just on the medical side, um, but especially when we're dealing with, you know, like trauma, mental health trauma, it could be medical um, whatever the case may be, um, and and what we deal with day to day, right? Everything we do um, with regards to this advocacy is about speaking up and it's about sharing that pain, so that they can't just assume, right? Um, because of things left uns- unsaid or unspoken, um, that we enjoyed it. So um, I, sometimes it's hard to dig deep and to get into there and to um, you know relive that. All right. Um, and you talked about it kind of uh, when it reminded me of this book about the body keeping the score. Right. Ooh, another one of my favorite books. Oh, oh my yeah. God, you guys. But but that's a serious read, Phil. OK, that's another conversation. It's a oh whole I know it's probably body a whole nother score. <laughs> yes. the score. Yeah. Um, but but um, and this is one thing I'm continually working on. Michelle was getting on with you about this earlier this week. Um, is tapping into and being able to vocalize it's 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 amazing how even as an advocate I still find it to be a challenge to do that uh, for myself to to just be be get very clear and then to speak up about how I'm feeling about certain things um, I, I will think and analyze and rationalize forever um, right. but getting in touch with how I feel about a thing, is um, I, I recognize that sometimes the analysis is my way of escaping the feeling and 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 living that truth or being vulnerable as need be. But uh, so anyway, that was kind of like three different things. But it's just the idea of of um, getting clear about where we are, what we feel, and making it known. I love that. It was three things, but it was three very clear things. Can you repeat the quote one more time for our group? Yes. Uh, 
If you remain silent about your pain, they will kill you and say that you enjoyed it. Zora Neale Hurston. I'm sure I'm butchering it, and not exactly, but Zora Neale Hurston, the author of Their Eyes Were Watching God, um, amazing book if you haven't read that too. But, amazing um, book if you haven't read it, yes. yes. Oh my God, thank you. I've got chills. Yeah. I love to finish an interview and a conversation with chills because that means it resonated and I felt everything you said. Thanks. Phil, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your time, your thoughts, your inner self and being vulnerable with us during this 45 minute, whatever it ends up being. We look forward to having you again, community. Thank you so much for joining us and listening. We will see you, hear you, get in touch with you again shortly. Be well, everyone. Self-care is health care. Thanks so much for listening to the Vitamin SC3 podcast. We hope that you will leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Remember, a new episode is coming out next Monday. So please tune in and enjoy.